from Salesforce Studios, this is Blazing Trails. Welcome to the Blazing Trails podcast, presented by WordPress VIP. I'm Matt Jaffe, Senior Director at Salesforce. On today's episode, we are joined by Marco Bizzari, CEO of Gucci. Since joining Gucci in 2014, Marco has tripled the company's performance and helped turn Gucci into the well-known luxury brand it is today. In this conversation, Marco shares how he uses technology as a differentiator, how company values can transform an organization's culture and bottom line, and what Gucci is doing to move the needle in sustainability. But before we get to Marco, a word about WordPress VIP, who is making this show possible. WordPress VIP is the digital publishing solution that powers the world's top media companies, as well as marketing platforms for some of the best known brands like Time and Facebook. Later on in this episode, you'll hear more of my conversation with their CEO, Nick Gurner. And now, here's Marco Bizzari speaking with Salesforce's co-CEO, Mark Benioff. Please meet my friend, Marco Bazzari, CEO of Gucci. Welcome. Thank you. Have a seat here. Okay. So happy to have you. Thank you. And thank you for these shoes. It's a pleasure, because after the yeah. amazing advertising campaign for Louis Vuitton this morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I went to your offices yesterday and I, see, I saw your uh, team working on uh, Gucci for next year. So, thank you. Well, we would love <laughs> to have Gucci. Now, let me just express to you the demand. Now, you can see that these gorgeous shoes, the clouds and the colors, there's high top version and low top. I right. had to choose which right. one I wanted. They've got the Gucci stripe on them. Yep. Okay, now how many people here would like a pair of these shoes? Raise your hand. Union Square. (laughs) Do you want to give out your email address now? Absolutely, no problem. Okay. (laughs) So let me ask you, Marco, um, this is your first time at Dreamforce. Yes. And uh, we're so happy to have you here. So do you have any reflection so far of what, why you came to Dreamforce, what you're excited about? You know, what I know about you, Marco, is that, you know, you're an amazing leader in your industry. You have work for these incredible brands, Stella McCartney and Bottega Veneta, and now Gucci, all within the Caring Group. Yep. Before that, you were at Accenture for many years. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Probably have some Accenture people here, so we have to be careful. I know. That's why Anybody I said. here work for Accenture? Uh oh. Yeah, yeah, I told you. Yeah, we, got a, we have an Accenture person here. So, um, and, uh, you know, so Marco, you've seen a lot. Also, by the way, I just noticed, I'm like, why is he wearing my shoes? They say MB on them. Yeah. So that's, a, th- exactly. is that, were these your shoes? I'm like, oh, MB, he gave me uh, the, um, customized my initials, but maybe you're, do you wear half 14s too? 14. Is that your size Absolutely. also? Oh, great. Well, we're going to have be good friends then. Exactly. <laughs> How tall are you, by the way? 6'7". Six, 6'7". Seven. Six, seven. Are you two? My, my father was 6'7". So I'm 6'5". What's well, a good coincidence. <laughs> um, all right, Marco, you're from... Italy. Yeah. And where were you born in Italy? I I was born in uh, close to Modena, to Maranello, where the Ferrari, Lamborghini, fast cars are built. And where Massimo Bottura, your friend, has the restaurant. Yes, yes. 
Yeah. Yes. So nice, you nice are area. born near Moderna or yeah, in yeah. Moderna. In between Modena and Reggio Emilia. Yes. And I studied Modena. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, Massimo Baturo has built an amazing restaurant, but you think it might be not open too much longer? I, should I get over there quickly before he closes it? I don't know. We, yeah, with Massimo, we've been in that school together for five years, same desk. So he's one of my best friends. We opened a restaurant together, actually, in Florence. We just wow. bought the first Michelin star two weeks oh, ago. Oh, wow. So fantastic. Wow. So you're also in the restaurant business? No, with Gucci. With Gucci. Oh, all <laughs> right. Gucci. Yeah. Great. So, um, yeah. So Massimo, I don't know what he's gonna do. Massimo is very much now in the um, you know, uh, charity and the Food for Soul and all these yeah. initiatives that are quite I mean, important. Well, we know Massimo at Salesforce mostly because we work with the artist JR. Yeah. yeah. And we've built a restaurant for the homeless in Paris. Yes. So it's an unusual restaurant because it's in the basement of a church. Yeah. And then um, at night, all of the most famous chefs from all over Paris, bring all of their food yes. and they serve all the homeless yeah, of yeah. Paris. And it's so Amazing idea. Impress impressive. Impressive, impressive. Yeah, and did that come out, did you see, isn't that amazing? You can give that a round of applause. Yeah. We'll send some good thoughts back to Massimo Boturo. And then also, um, a lot of good things come out of Italy, including you mentioned uh, Lamborghini and uh, so forth, these amazing uh, cars. And has that been in your background as well? No, you know, it, Listen, I'm very, very privileged for many reasons. The first one, because I mean, working in this industry, that is impressive. I'm surrounded by so many creative talents, both in, this, in design and in business. And, uh, and we are very, very lucky because um, being born in Italy from all this history, um, uh, and our headquarters in Florence, and Florence has been uh, uh, built in terms of uh, arts and uh, beauty by, mostly by the Medici, Lorenzo de Medici, Lorenzo Magnificent in the past. And uh, this kind of history cannot be replicated in any way. I mean, just to tell you a, a date, uh, Lorenzo de Medici died in 1492. That is the same year when America was discovered. So we have this kind of roots, this kind of family generations that went through years after years. That's the reason why I really believe that in Italy there's no other possibility that they, they're being surrounded by beauty and creating beauty, being exposed by beauty. And I think this is the reason why, for in the most cases, even other companies from the luxury business, they produce in Italy. Because this kind of network and capabilities, the small families that are working from generation to generation on this kind of activities cannot be replicated anywhere in the world. And I think being in fashion, being in this industry, we have this possibility really to, you know, to, to have this kind of freedom of expression and anticipating trends. And I think in going back to the question that you asked me, why I'm here in Dreamforce? Because we really believe that blending technology and human touch and this kind of personal one-to-one -one is gonna be the, you know, the differentiating factor for us, for our positioning, because we are not in fast fashion. In fast fashion, you can just rely on data. In our business, you need to rely on people. And blending the two together and using technology not just as a tool, but as a form of expression, I think it really can make a difference for us. Otherwise, if we just use the technology, it's gonna be a commodity, and we cannot be differentiated from anybody else. Whereas for us, differentiation is more important than anything else. Well, that's an amazing story. So let me just ask you a couple things about that, if that's all right, because I'll, I think I mentioned to you, a couple, for the last few years, we've had also Brunello Cuccinelli here, and there's also been a very similar thread 
that there's a power of kind of the culture of Italy. And I, you know, you must have also wanted to influence me because you gave me a copy of Dante's Inferno with the, uh, with the shoes, right? Yep. So there's a, there's a message in here as well. But also when uh, Brunello was here, he made a lot of these very similar points that it's really the depth of the values and the culture of the country and then how that gets expressed forward and that we have to think about humanity, especially in regards to how technology is changing and especially associated with these brands. Is, is, is that the right way to think about it? I think, I think it's the only way, it's not an option. I mean, especially in our business, in our industry, uh, creativity is at the center of everything. And if creativity is at the center of everything, the best way to foster it is to create a kind of an ambience, a humus in the company, uh, close to the company, that give the possibility to this creative talent to express themselves with freedom. And in order to do so, I don't see any other way than creating a kind of an ambience of you know, joy of belonging, happiness, respect for people or environment, freedom for, of expression, and really decide what you want to do. And creating an ambience where if you make a mistake, you're not killed. So this, it's because in, in, in the business we do, we take risks. We try to change aesthetic. We need to define or, this, or decide what is gonna happen in 18, 24 months from now in terms of consumer behavior. And data today are not able to give us this information. So we need to rely on people, on this talent that have been built their experience in, a, in, in, in years. Or Alessandro Michele, our creative director, is an amazing talent that is, he fought about um, problem with diversity from all his uh, career, all, uh, from, from the very beginning of, of, his, of his life. So it's the first example where if you are able to encompass, include everybody uh, in the company with your values in the right way, because diversity it can be a, a strength in the creativity, in creative process, uh, very much so as long as you're able to include them, not to try to clone these people in order to make sure that they become as you. So if you're able to create this kind of environment, their creativity fosters. And of course, the, this kind of, of, of work, putting values at the center as you did, not a rhetoric, you really inspired me in order to create this kind of values, but on the other side, I really believe that as leaders, the value that you put in the company should be your values. Otherwise, they're gonna last for two months, three months, six months. It's like when you do an interview. You try to, uh, to be great or different to the, the person interviewing you. Mm -hmm. You can last, you can cheat someone for one hour, but in two weeks, you're gonna be yourself. So in order to make sure that the values that you put in the company can have an impact, they need to be your personal values as well. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why uh, I chose Alessandro Michele as creative director mm -hmm. because he's certainly a talented person, mm -hmm. but first and foremost, he's a, he's a good man. Mm -hmm. So is authenticity your highest value? You know, authenticity and empathy, the two of them. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you need to be authentic, but you also need to create this kind of strength and kind of uh, speed and energy in the company. Which is higher for you? The two, between the two? You know, Authenticity and empathy and logic are part of trust at the end. Mm -hmm. Wherever you put it, and I think trust is one of the values that, yes. you, that you support. So wherever you, you turn it around, it can, be, it can be one or the other according to the moment. Mm -hmm. But they're all part of the same value that is trust. Mm -hmm. So trust, authenticity, empathy. Yeah. Logic. Logic. Respect. Respect. 
uh, and freedom. I think self-expression in our industry and I think as well for our life is, is very, very key. Mm -hmm. how, how are you operationalizing your values into your company? When you look at those values like you just talked about, authenticity, authenticity empathy, respect, creativity, freedom of expression, how do you operationalize those? What kind of things are you doing as a leader to bring those values into your organization? Well, listen, you need to lead by example. I mean, you can talk, you can send statement, you can send email, you can do whatever you like, but if you don't do that on a daily basis, it's not gonna work. So um, just to give, give you some example, because I mean, it's very difficult to, to create just a framework on that. When I joined Gucci at the very beginning, we did this complete turnaround of the company from an aesthetic standpoint, from a business standpoint. The first reaction that we had from everybody uh, was, especially from competition, uh, everybody was, uh, uh, let's say, criticizing the change of aesthetic, everybody. I mean, I stopped to watch Instagram for three weeks. And everybody was saying, especially competitors were saying, you know, such a beautiful brand, what they did to this brand. After one year, they said, after seeing the first results, yeah, it's not gonna last. After three years, when the company was growing 40% every year, they said, now we have a problem. So, in order to make sure that in the, at the beginning of this turnaround, because at the beginning of this change, all my people, the 10,000 people that at that time were in Gucci, were able to understand why we wanted to change and how we, 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 are, we are going to change it, mm -hmm. I needed to talk to them. So I traveled everywhere in the world, I stayed away for three months, I shook hands with at least 3,000 people and explained the reason why we wanted to make this change. That came from necessity because the company was not doing particularly well, but also it was a, a way to really change the kind of culture that we wanted to have in the company. And internal communication at that time, in the first 12 months, was more important than external communication because all the changes that we did in the first show, in the first two shows with Alessandro, the product were not going to reach the shop for nine, 12 months. So we were talking a lot, but no substance was reaching the shop. So mm. communication, direct communication, mm -hmm. empathy, telling the truth in terms of authenticity, mm -hmm. were the way in which I was able to keep the talent in the company. That was for me the first objective. I didn't want the people that were in Gucci to leave the company mm -hmm. that, because that was possible. And all the executive team that I had at that time is still there now. Mm. Oh, your entire executive team is still entire, in place. Entire, they don't leave. But you have radically <laughs> you have radically increased the performance of the company. You've doubled the company's size since yeah. you've been there, and you've become the fastest growing of all of the high fashion brands. Yeah. So how did you take the existing team with this emphasis on storytelling and then double performance? Tripli tripling the business. Triple the business. The ego. Sorry. <laughs> Triple the business. <laughs> Triple the business since you've been there. Right. Yeah, it's, um, you know, our business is a, is, a, is a strange business. I never saw a success in our business through a business plan. You need to believe in ideas. And when you believe in ideas, there's no cost, there's no financial plan, there's no figure that you need to look at. Of course, you need to be cost efficient, but that comes after. At the beginning, you need to trust. 
You need to trust the person that are delivering a design that maybe you don't understand because I'm not a, a creative people in the sense of designers. But you need to trust, you need to see, and you need to look at some weak signals that you see around. For example, when Alessandro did the first show, the only people that were praising the collection were Anna Winter, Mark Jacobs, all these people that are coming from, this, from a long time that they know exactly how to spot a genius. Mm. The normal consumers, they were rejecting the aesthetic. Because you cannot turn around a company like Gucci, of the size of Gucci, aesthetically listening to customers. That is it's different from many other industries. You cannot do that through focus groups. Because customers in our industry, they tend to look on the, on the rear mirror. They drive the car, they, they, they ask you what was there yesterday. Whilst in our industry, we need to anticipate. Mm -hmm. You can anticipate just with the creative talents of people. That's the reason why we're investing so heavily in people, in training, getting the talents, having a culture that attracts people. That was not the case at the beginning. So everything goes around. And then, then technology helps in many other instances. So they need to be blended together. But if we want to see what is going to happen in the next What needs year, to get blended together? The geniuses and... No. The technology, the geniuses and the customers, what, the, what is the, getting blended? The, it's going to be blended when, if we have, a, for example, a line of bags that is particularly beautiful, we can ask the customer or the data what kind of size, what kind of where you can put the pocket, mm -hmm. that's fine. That data can help. So the customer feedback yeah, correct. has to get blended with the yeah. genius. By, yeah, by the, in, in, the, in the very, very short term. Yeah. They cannot mm -hmm. tell you, they cannot predict what is going to happen in the next 18 mm -hmm. months at all. So you need to rely on people on that. We're going to take a quick break right now to bring you a conversation that I had with the CEO of WordPress VIP, Nick Gurner. WordPress VIP is the leading provider of enterprise WordPress, and they power companies like Facebook, Spotify, and more. I sat down with Nick at Dreamforce to discuss how his company is grappling with topics like the future of work, digital transformation, and more. So I want to I want to talk about something you mentioned, which is which is sustainability. Yeah, obviously that's front of mind for us here at, at Salesforce. What are you guys doing around sustainability at WordPress VIP? The way we have to think about this is like with going back to sort of the massive footprint that something like WordPress has, and and while you know WordPress VIP is really just a fraction of uh, of the users, the, the customers we're working with have a massive impact in terms of the audience that they reach. You know, hundreds of millions of people on any given week are impacted by the work of our customers. Um, and really core to what we're pushing on in this is how do we run a scalable you know, uh, platform for, uh, you know, for our customers. And scalable happens in many ways, but one, absolutely one of the, the things we keep in mind is just what is the resource usage of, of the applications our customers are serving there to their customers? Uh, and we, we pour a lot of, uh, of effort into working with our customers to look at the performance of applications uh, that run on servers, that run on your mobile devices, that run on your desktops, and say, how can we do these things more efficiently? Because when we look at actually what's going on across hundreds of millions of users, 
we're looking at massive energy consumption across those types of things. And, and by focusing and saying like, look, we can do this more efficiently. This is not about like, just throw more servers at something and it will run. This is like, how can we do more with less, which is better for everyone. It's better for you on your device that the battery doesn't drain on it. It's better for you know the, the computer, the servers that aren't having to work as hard to serve the same basic message or content or whatever it is to that user. And so a lot of effort- Better for the planet. Better for the planet. Like we're, we're just looking at like, how can we, how can we really make sure we're running efficient applications at scale uh, with our customers? It's almost like a duty in this. It's not like, okay, well, yeah, we can just throw more horsepower at it. It's like, no, let's do it right. Let's do it you know, the right way. And, and that's better for everybody. That was Nick Gernert, CEO of WordPress VIP. To find out more about them, visit WPVIP.com. That's WPVIP.com. And now, back to Marco Bazzari and Mark Benioff. And are you cultivating then those people? Were they already there when you got there, or did you find some of these people? The, I mean, Alessandro, uh, Alessandro Michele, the creative director of Gucci, was already in Gucci uh, for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So was exactly the person that didn't want to hire. Because when I joined, I wanted to change dramatically Gucci, so I, wanted, I was looking for uh, other you know, characteristics, mm-hmm. big names, etc. But then it happened that I met him for the first time uh, for a coffee, and I, was, I felt completely in love with the guy, with his idea, the way in which he was connecting past and future, the way in which he was talking, the way in which he was uh, you know, matching my ideas in terms of business uh, innovation. Mm-hmm. So I took the bet, and luckily. Mm. Yeah. So he's been a key part of your strategy, yeah. but then also you've made a number of values changes in the business, too, to increase yeah. performance. Yeah. So you've changed things, too, right? Because you have programs that you've created, like volunteer programs yeah. and the change makers yeah. and sustainability programs, but you're changing the core value system of Gucci. It's not just you're changing the aesthetic. Is that a, the right way to think about it? Absolutely. As we said from the beginning, um, values is part of the change of the static. The two things go together. And this kind of freedom that you can express is because we have these values. The change maker program is, is, is in fact something that we launched one year ago. And the, it was inspired by the 1% one, one pledge that you started mm. many years ago. And it was a way for us to give the possibility to different culture to be exposed to the fashion industry. Because the, we are coming, I'm coming from Italy. I mean, we are not a diverse uh, country at all. But we think that diversity is a strength for the creativity. So we wanted to make sure that in different, we took like 12 universities around, uh, around the globe. We launched this problem called fellowship. We were able to gather 50 students um, that will join the, the design team uh, in March this year. Uh, in Rome with Alessandro, and they're gonna bring ideas to Alessandro. Alessandro is, is a kind of a eclectic uh, creative director because uh, different from many other creative directors, especially in the past, they were controlling everything by themselves, is opening the uh, aesthetic of Gucci to many different collaborations. Up, up to now, we did 150 collaborations, and this digitalization of the world helped a lot because he was able to scout different talents everywhere in the world, working with them, giving them the chance to express themselves through Gucci. And normally they were completely unknown, but the way he was using the possibility of bringing them in the catwalk or in uh, in Instagram, et cetera, and creating people that now are quite successful. So this kind of um, 
a way of um, exposing ourselves to, to different things is, is key. Sustainability is certainly another, another aspect, another factor, because sustainability has two, two, um, two effects. The first one, if you think in a different way in terms of use of material, in terms of use of uh, uh, material, material in terms of gas emission, in terms of use of uh, the, the land that you use in terms of supply chain, etc., you stress yourself in, in order to be innovative. In, because it's, it's difficult to be sustainable mm -hmm. in a company that is 100 year old. Mm -hmm. The business model was built from, I mean, from a long mm -hmm. time. So changing that, it, take, it takes time. But it's not even a, you know, an option. I think that what, what we are reading everywhere, I mean, from everybody, we don't have, we don't have time. I mean, I was listening to Tim Cook before, uh, certainly is, you know, the, the, the way in which he, he project creativity, try to find different ways of um, um, tackling the gas emission is, is impressive. And it should come from people like him, mm -hmm. creative companies like him. Mm -hmm. But the fact is we are today, everybody is not in a zero because if we encompass in the calculation, the supply chain, especially for a manufacturing company like ours, we are polluting. Mm -hmm. And even if we set targets in 2050 to be net zero, mm -hmm. it's too late. And today there's no technology, no process that we can use to become net zero today. So that's the reason why uh, this morning actually I launched through Fast Company this challenge to the CEOs like you or to the one in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the audience, because mm -hmm. we, we really need to act now to try to make sure that what we cannot, cannot be offset today, what we cannot avoid and reduce today needs to be offset. And to be offset needs, means to protect biodiversity, planting trees, ut utilizing natural-based solution. That is the key today. Because mm -hmm. and in the meantime, working with technology, because we are, there are many startups that could help in reduce, for our industry mm -hmm. to reduce uh, the gas emission. Mm -hmm. There are companies that are trying to invent the, the leather in vitro, so they do the leather in vitro. So all the tanning process is going to disappear. No mm -hmm. pollution anymore. No use of water, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But today, they don't have the quality and the scalability. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. In the meantime, we need to buy time. Mm -hmm. And I read a, 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 an inter, in a piece in Bloomberg mm -hmm. in saying that we should need 300 billion euro today to buy 20 years more in terms of gas emission using natural-based solution. Mm -hmm. So 300 billion euro is peanuts. It's mm -hmm. like two months of investment in the army, mm -hmm. in the world. If you think about the amount of money that in 2008 has been put in the market in order to avoid the financial crisis, mm -hmm. I think it's feasible. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we started this um, activity in order to offset uh, for Gucci and become carbon neutral. And you know, we paid in order to be carbon neutral, $8.5 million. Mm -hmm. For a company of 10 billion like ours is nothing. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason why we, everybody should try to do it. Because of course it's not the final solution, mm -hmm. but it's the solution today. And we cannot just think that tomorrow we will have an idea that we will offset, because it's gonna be too late. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why we launched uh, this kind of uh, you know, challenge. The idea of the challenge came from the ice bucket because we don't take us too seriously, the idea was let's, do, let's try to do the same thing in an ironic way on a topic that is not ironic at all. 
So that's very similar to what Tim Cook was saying. Tim Cook was saying that one of his major goals is to make the Apple supply chain fully renewable, just like his company already is today. Is that the same thing that you're saying, that you're going to go through your supply chain yes. and make sure it's fully sustainable? Right, right. Because the point, I mean, as of today, in most of the companies, most of the industry, we talk, there are two scopes. Scope one, scope two, scope three. Scope three, yeah. the supply chain. Supply chain represent for all the industry approximately eight to ninety percent of the gas emission. So if you don't touch the supply chain, you just touch your offices, your shops, etc. You don't touch the most part of the gas emission. So we need to go in that direction. We need to work both in terms of mm -hmm. searching for in the right territories, uh, protecting the biodiversity, mm -hmm. tra trace what you what you do. We are, we are one hundred percent traceability in terms of what we produce mm -hmm. already in Gucci. So we need to go in that direction. But the technology today is not at the level to allow us to, to be net zero. That the reason why we need to you know to balance and trade off in the short term through offsetting. It's, right. it's imperative for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've heard this now from a number of CEOs in different industries, some of them who are here at Dreamforce, like Adrian Hallmark is the CEO of Bentley, somebody who used to work with Stella McCartney, uh, now yourself, Tim Cook, the CEO of Cargill, have all said the same thing, which is that they want to have a fully 100% sustainable supply chain, that this is their commitment to improving the state of the world. Is that inspiring to you then to be able to look to pursue that through your industry? It's absolutely key. The, qu the question to me is, which is the target? Because if you set the target 2050, we, we, I mean, there's a problem with narrative here, I think. And I think in our industry, we're quite good in narrative. Mm -hmm. Everybody's saying that we are gonna kill the planet. Mm -hmm. We're not killing the planet, the planet will survive. We're gonna kill ourselves. Mm -hmm. That is very different. So I don't want to kill myself. So that's the reason why we need to, to balance the two things together. Mm -hmm. Well, from the first Industrial Revolution today, uh, the total emissions output has been about 210 gigatons of carbon. Carbon itself is not additive to the planet. It's a constant on the planet. It's either in the ground or it's in the oceans. Um, it could be in the trees. It could be, or it could be, uh, um, actually, it could be in whales. Whales sequester 1,400 trees of carbon, or it could be in the atmosphere. We don't want it in the atmosphere. So that basically, that 208 gigatons that has been immer immersed into the atmosphere since the start of the first industrial revolution, and that's why the ocean is getting hotter because it's sequestering carbon. There's about 40,000 gigatons sequestered in the ocean. There's 3,000 gigatons sequestered, I think, in soils. I'm not exact, you know, these are approximate numbers. There's about 900 gigatons that are sequestered in the trees. So we have three trillion trees today. I was reading in Scientific American, uh, a study from a scientist in, in Zurich, if you were to put another trillion trees on the planet, it would suck out of the atmosphere the all 208 gigatons of carbon since the first industrial revolution. You know, are these the types of solutions that you're looking for? Ways to sequester the carbon, ways to prevent the carbon from getting in the environment? Yeah, I mean, most of the two are very simple. One is planting trees mm -hmm. or protecting biodiversity because there are two things that mm -hmm. we are suffering. I mean, look at all the fires that we have everywhere. I mean, San Francisco now, we are, I read that, I mean, you are investing, I mean, as, as a city, $5 billion in order to make sure that the sea levels, so we are already treated the consequences. 
-hmm. So we are already in a situation where we need to, to, to take action. And I mean, it's very inspiring to see so many mm -hmm. CEOs and leaders and innovative people to, to really make sure that this doesn't happen. Yeah, there's only so many ways to be able to get the carbon out of the atmosphere. One is to reduce emissions, yeah. then the oceans are doing their part, the trees yeah. are doing their yeah. part, and then the regenerative soils are doing their part. And if you, the tree is our most efficient technology Correct. for sequestering exactly. carbon. And if we all got behind an effort to plant a trillion trees, that would happen. Uh, global warming, at least what I read, would stop. Exactly, what I read as well. So is that something do you think that more CEOs and more companies should get behind? I don't know. Figure out how to get a trillion more trees on I the planet? I don't know. I mean, I, I, we planned, in the last fashion show, we invited 2,000 people to our fashion show. We planted mm -hmm. 2,000 trees in Milan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and it's, Well, you only have about yeah. 999 yeah. billion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 999 that, that, billion. That, that is why you, you should be part of the challenge so you can plant some trees as well. <laughs> yes. Well, we're, we're a net zero company today and we'll be fully renewable, hopefully, shortly. That's our goal. And, but that's definitely been on my mind since I read the research which came out this summer that there's been an amazing scientist that is in Zurich named Crowther who basically came up with some AI technology and he was able to look at satellite images of the planet and said, you know, the trees need to go in eight countries and they would go exactly here. He's using artificial intelligence. And then I, I saw articles in Science, Scientific American, and other journals on this. And I was thinking, this is like another level. And then at the same time, I hear so many CEOs able to articulate like you did so beautifully, sustainability is a core value. So why do you think that's happening right now? Why is sustainability becoming a core value to a company like Gucci or to Caring Group, which you're a part of, or others? Why, why is that becoming the core? Because certainly when I went to business school, which was you know, way back when in 82 to 86, we didn't have a class on sustainability, Correct. for example. Uh, yeah. Say it for me. Um, listen, fashion is the second most polluting industry of the world after oil, the oil industry. So. For this reason, uh, there's a good and bad. Mm -hmm. The bad is that it's gonna attack us much more because we are very visible. The, the good one is because we are very visible, we can, we can have traction and you know, create a, a kind of sustainability from people mm -hmm. coming to us and understanding what we do. So um, together with that, what you read, what you said, is exactly what is scaring us mm -hmm. for our kids, for our families. I mean, it's not so far away what is going to happen. And it's certified mm -hmm. by, by, by many sources. So that's the reason why mm -hmm. it's not even an option. It's not yeah. even an ethical option. It's a matter of surviving or not. It's very simple. We don't need to think too much. We just need to do it in a way or the other. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that this is the only way. Everybody's going to do his own way. As long as we gather together, as you said. Mm -hmm. No, there was... This interview that I read recently uh, made to Einstein, that is the original one, not... Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, they asked... Right there on the right <laughs> side of your shoulder. They, they asked, exactly, they asked him uh, which is the most important invention of all times. Mm -hmm. and the answer was compound interest. Mm. That is, the action that you take today mm -hmm. together, they're gonna to have an exponential impact in the future for the next generation. If that is true, more people and more CEO they get in this way, 
the easiest is going to be, together with the 2003s of the fashion show, to attack the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of like what I said, which is that, you know, when I went to school, there wasn't a class on sustainability or volunteerism or, like yeah. you said, the 111 model or, you know, how to use your company as a as a platform for change, that business can yeah. be a platform for change. That's why I wrote the book Trailblazer, yeah. because I wanted to be able to kind of communicate what I've learned as a CEO. But what has inspired me are people like you, Marco, who are spontaneously having the same idea, that your business is the greatest platform for change, and that great companies like Gucci and Caring and others can align on technology that's very accessible to us because the future has not happened yet. Yeah, so if we're loathing a future that has not happened yet, we can get involved now and take a position to prevent that from happening. And certainly, we don't want uh, the uh, environment becoming inhabitable. 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 Ask. Ask. Ask Einstein. Ask Einstein. So we want to take action now and do yes. something. And I think that that is probably the best part about being a CEO Correct. is that you can have a platform. And also the other part is like you, we have all these great customers, yeah. these trailblazers, and they're part of our ecosystem. In a way, they are our supply chain. Absolutely. And um, they're, you know, we're trying to inspire them and to excite them and energize them because I think a lot of the answers are also with them. So we're trying to listen so deeply to what they have to say as well. So I wanna just get back to one thought, if that's all right. So you said we started out talking about the importance of Italy and also the importance of creativity, the importance of empathy, uh, the importance of authenticity. You know, when, when you look at these core values, you know, for Gucci and you are talking to your employees, what is the highest value that you're bringing forth to your employees? The, I think, what what we what we try what I try to do is to make sure that the people have the ability to express themselves, and especially in big organization like yours or like mine, the risk that we run is that especially the younger kids they don't have a voice, mm -hmm. they don't they cannot talk. In in our world, most probably they know they have more answers than us. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the the possibility for them to be accessible. Mm -hmm. I think is a great thing because they can express themselves. They can give me a lot of ideas, especially at the beginning of this mm -hmm. turnaround. I, I was doing a many, many lunches with all the people below 30 years old, asking them three questions. Mm -hmm. Say, give me something that I can change. That is the mm -hmm. easiest way. Because our, our job is so easy. Uh -huh. You just need to listen. You don't need to invent, reinvent the wheel all the time. And the people that are doing the job every day, they know yeah. what is not happening well. So, and together with that, I created a so-called shadow committee with like a shadow board of directors yes, of course. below 30, always, yes. asking the same question that I was asking to my team. So and these are like reverse mentors. Yes, exactly. They're mentoring you from the future. Exactly. I mean, think about it. I mean, now we have 20,000 people. I mean, even in my ego, it's big. I mean, I cannot be more intelligent than 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What other kind of things would you like to do to be able to tap into the future and bring that forward and have those voices come into you more aggressively? Um, 
what, what we try to do, we created this, um, we call that Gucci Voices. We picked people from uh, different, uh, you know, industries or mm -hmm. uh, competencies. We're working with Colin Kaepernick, we're working with Cleo Wade, we work with people that really are not shy to express themselves. Mm -hmm. They reflect exactly the kind of value that we want to deliver. Mm -hmm. So speaking up, taking stance mm -hmm. as a company, because if we say that we want to have certain values, we cannot refrain to taking stance. That is not to be politically oriented. I don't really care about that. We stand about values, not political things. So we, I want to be exposed by people that can think differently, mm -hmm. that can give me ideas, uh, that can have a different background, different culture. And to me, it's a great asset. I mean, for the position that I have, the most important thing that, um, that I got is not about money, not about that. I think it's the possibility to talk to people that I admire, to be, to talk, mm -hmm. to be talking to you today, or having the possibility to meet other people that, mm -hmm. for me, are legends that I just read in the papers. Using this position you know, to get exposed to ideas and to gather people together, and to change or to approach uh, things in, in, in a way that is more meaningful than just one single company. Because even if we are carbon neutral as Gucci, mm -hmm. we are a drop in the ocean. But we are a big company, but a very small in a, bigger, in a bigger scheme. So that's the reason why the compound, compound interest is key, is the fact that we need to do it together with others. So it's the voices. Those are voices inside Gucci, but also outside, outside Gucci. Outside Gucci, exactly. And exactly. you're bringing that in, and then you have this kind of rudder, which are these creative directors that are helping to figure out yes. what the future is going, because you can't figure it out by looking in the rearview mirror. Exactly. Is that, is that the way to think it, about it, it? Is that the way? And, and, and we have, today we have like 200 designers, 200 creative people just thinking about new products or new trends, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And they live in Rome, in this beautiful city, mm -hmm. exposed to beauty every single day. And the only thing that I need to do is to support them, mm -hmm. to make sure that they can risk and they can do mistakes and they have the money to, to take a risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, Alessandro Michele ne never saw a figure in the last five years. The first time that I tried, it was, it was falling asleep as well, so. Mm. Now you have taken though these high values, but you know, we, we kind of went by this very quickly, but your performance has radically accelerated as yeah. a CEO, right? Yeah. So you're a high performing CEO. You're delivering this breakneck speed for your company, right? So what, what is the intersection point then between performance and values? I think that performance is just a consequence. If you don't do the right things in terms of values, in terms of message, et cetera, in terms of aesthetic, mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have a financial uh, result. I, will never, I never start, I mean, a new company in looking at what is going to be my objective in terms of numbers. Because numbers is a consequence of choices, mm -hmm. of something that is more qualitative. I mean, the right people making the right choices in terms of strategy, and then the finance will follow. Because it's, it cannot be an obstacle. It cannot be. So... Very exciting. Well, Marco, we're so happy you're at Dreamforce with all of us. Thank you so much coming all the way from Italy to be with us. That was Marco Bizzari, CEO of Gucci, and Mark Benioff, co-CEO of Salesforce. To discover more conversations like this, be sure to hit that subscribe button. 
That's going to do it for another episode of Blazing Trails. Thanks for listening. And thanks to WordPress VIP for presenting this show with us. We'll be back next week with a conversation about trust with Dara Khosrowshahi, CEO of Uber. Blazing Trails is a production of Salesforce, a customer relationship management solution committed to helping you deliver the personalized experiences customers want. So they'll keep coming back again and again. Salesforce, bringing companies and customers together. Visit salesforce.com learn more.